with you folk here in Arab, Alabama. I got to wondering today, why they, where did they get the name Arab? Maybe it was because of Ahab and Arab? She of the burning sand, I don't know, but it's a joy to be in this church. I enjoyed worshiping with you folk and meeting you and seeing you. You're always good listeners, and a preacher is very thankful to God when he's able to speak to a group of people who listen and who follow along in their Bibles. I'm not going to tell you where my text is just yet. We're going to see if you can find it without my help. Why did Jesus come into the world? One of the most important questions to ask, an important question to answer correctly. Why did Jesus come into the world? There are a number of verses scattered throughout the Bible, and I'm thinking in particular here of the New Testament, that tell us why Jesus came into the world. Here's one such verse. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why did God send his Son? Why did Jesus come? To be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation is a big word, isn't it? It means the atoning sacrifice. It's the sacrifice that turns back the wrath of God. That's what propitiation is. Here's another verse, and one of my favorites. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? To save sinners. And Paul adds, of whom I am chief. So why did Jesus come? He came into the world to save sinners. How does he save them? He became a propitiation. He became a sacrifice that would turn back God's wrath and be the recipient of his mercy and grace to us. But here's another verse you can add to that list. It's one of the clearest purpose statements in the scripture telling us why Jesus came and it comes from the lips of Jesus himself for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost now I'm going to get confused with my quotations of that verse today because I've got the King James in my mind I've been using the ESV for 10 years so It'll be one of those two or a blend of those two. Why did Jesus come into the world? He said he came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, you notice in that statement, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. We usually say Son of Man speaks of his humanity, Son of God speaks of his divinity, and that is true, but there's more to Son of Man than that. That's a messianic title. comes to us from the book of Daniel where he was referred to prophetically as the Son of Man. And this Son of Man, Jesus said, came on a search and rescue mission. That's what it means to seek and to save. Now, I haven't given you that verse yet, but let me tell you what John MacArthur says. There's no more glorious truth in the Bible than the words of this text. 
that verse sums up the work of Christ on earth. From the human viewpoint, it may represent the single most important truth ever recorded in Scripture. Now, where is this important purpose statement located? It's located in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And in what context is this verse found? It is found in the context of Jesus seeking and saving a man by the name of Zacchaeus. So that's our study today. It's the conversion of Zacchaeus, the seeking and saving son of man. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19, this purpose statement comes at the end, so we'll start where the narrative does in verse 1. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus, who he was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Zacchaeus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So this very important purpose statement is located in the historical narrative about Jesus seeking and saving this lost sinner by the name of Zacchaeus. It is, of course, one of the most familiar stories in the Scriptures. Zacchaeus was an unscrupulous tax collector, and Jesus went to his house and utterly transformed his life. How many of you remember, even know, maybe you sung it this morning, I don't know, the children's song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We like to use the hand gestures too. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. 
for I'm going to your house today. My English friends say, for I'm going to your house for tea. A nice little song. It's good for three and four and five-year-olds to learn. I hope when your children get older than that, they're learning better, more doctrinally sound, thorough, theological uh, songs. But what a wonderful little song. But it's about a very serious subject. And that subject is the seeking and saving of lost sinners. So don't forget, that's the purpose of the story. This is a story of redemption. It is a story of Jesus seeking and saving a particular man, a sinful man, who was hated and despised because of his vile profession. Well, let's begin our study of this text today by observing the interest of Zacchaeus in Jesus. Zacchaeus was in the best sense of the term a seeker. We are told in verse 3 that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he was interested in learning more about Jesus. So he sought to see him when Jesus passed through his hometown. Now where did Zacchaeus live? He lived in Jericho. Verse 1 says, and Jesus was about to enter Jericho. He was passing through Jericho. And we know he was passing on his way through Jericho to Jerusalem. Verse 28 says, in the passage prior to this, in the closing verses of chapter 18 of Luke, there's an encounter that Jesus had with another man here on the outskirts of Jericho. That man was a blind beggar. Luke doesn't supply his name, but Mark does. You know his name. It's Bartimaeus. And remember when Bartimaeus, the blind man, heard that Jesus was passing by, he cried out, Jesus, Son of David. Another Messianic title, isn't it? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? He displayed his mercy by giving the blind beggar sight. Well, it's after this incident with Bartimaeus on the outskirts of Jericho that Jesus actually comes into Jericho. Now, you know Jericho by what's happened there in the days of Joshua in the conquest of the land of Canaan by Israel. That historical narrative is recorded in Joshua chapter 6. You remember what happened there? The walls of that ancient city collapsed and did so in a most unusual way. It wasn't caused by an earthquake, but by the sound of trumpets and the shouts of the people. That city was later rebuilt, not on that site, for a curse was placed upon anyone who would build a city there. But it was built nearby and existed in the days when Jesus walked the earth. And it was a city, a town, that Jesus went through frequently. In fact, we believe he was baptized in the Jordan River near Jericho. So this 
interaction of Jesus with Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus took place there. If you know the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, you know it's about a man who was accosted as he journeyed on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so this man, Zacchaeus, and that's a, that's a Hebrew name, it's a Jewish name, he's a Jew. It's related to the word Zechariah. We don't know if he was from Jericho, but he lived there. And Luke is the only gospel writer that tells us about him. And Zacchaeus is only mentioned in the scriptures here in this place. Well, we know what his profession was. We are told in verse 2 that he was a chief tax collector. And another description is given of him. He was rich. Being a tax collector meant he was hated and despised by the Jews. Hated and despised for two reasons. One, he worked for the Romans, the occupying power. And the Jews hated the Romans. And he collected taxes from the Romans. Anybody here like to pay taxes? Uh, we, we, we don't like to pay a lot of taxes anyway, do we? Well, a tax collector in those days, the Roman government told him how much to collect, and then he could collect whatever he wanted on top of that and pocket it for himself. That's why he was rich, and that's why he was hated. Now, being chief tax collector means that he was the head of that local taxation department. He had many people working under him. Kent Hughes calls him the kingpin of the Jericho uh, cartel, tax cartel. And that's probably what he was. I don't know if he collected taxes anymore, but the people under him did, and he would get some of their monies. But Jericho was a good place to collect taxes. Historical records show us that this city was built on a very important trade route from Jerusalem to the east. And there would have been at least one, maybe two, tax booth. You know, one of our Lord's disciples was a tax collector. You remember his name, kids? Matthew. Or Luke calls him Levi. And he was a tax collector and Luke 5:27 says he collected his taxes in a tax booth. We recently were in Florida and then later were in Texas and we had to pay toll tax in both places. You don't have to stop at a booth anymore and and pay the money. They just take a picture of your license plate and send you the bill in the mail. But tax collecting, and that's what's taking place here. And a lot of money, a lot of revenue could be collected on the Jericho Road. So it's no surprise Zacchaeus was rich. But oh, we can be assured he was hated by his fellow countrymen. Unpopular man as there was in Jericho probably. What kind of social life could you have in Jericho if you were hated by all the people? Not much. But what happens? This rich social outcast somehow 
had an interest in Jesus. And when he heard that Jesus was passing through Jericho, he wanted to see him. He wanted to find out more about him. So in the best sense, he was a seeker. He had heard about Jesus and wanted to find out for himself. Again, verse 3, who Jesus was. Perhaps the story about the healing of blind Bartimaeus on the outskirts of Jericho spread through the town quickly. Zacchaeus heard it and goes out on the road so he can see Jesus for himself. So he's seeking Jesus. But you know, of course, don't you, that there is none who seeks after God? Not on their own accord. So something else was going on here. What do you think it was? Jesus came through Jericho by divine appointment. It was not the luck of the draw. It was not by chance or anything like that. Jesus came there with purpose to seek him and to save him. One of the reasons I know that is when Jesus walked up under that tree and stopped, he knew Zacchaeus was in that tree. I don't know if he was concealed there or not. You know, you can hide in a tree and people not see you. But Jesus knew he was in the tree. And what did Jesus do when he got under that tree? He looked up, and what's the first word he said? Zacchaeus. How did Jesus know his name? And met for? Jesus came to Jericho by divine appointment. And so the Lord put it in the heart of Zacchaeus to seek Jesus. Was he curious? Certainly he was. But there's something more than curiosity going on. And did you know that happens to all who find Jesus as Lord and Savior? If you are a Christian, you sought the Lord but only after he sought you. And if you are a believer, you can say these words from an old hymn. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. Well, having observed the interest of Zacchaeus in seeing Jesus, we turn next to examine the plan of Zacchaeus to see Jesus. Zacchaeus had a problem. What's the problem? Well, the song says he was a wee little man. He was short in stature. And you can imagine the crowds that lined the street. If the story of Bartimaeus preceded his arrival into Jericho, everybody came out, man. They wanted to see Jesus just like Zacchaeus wanted to see him. And so the streets are lined with people, and Zacchaeus couldn't see. He was too short. He couldn't see over people's heads. And being hated and despised, you think anybody's going to say, Here, you short man, come up here in the front so you can see not at all so he pondered 
what he was to do. Look at verses 3 and 4. And he was seeking to see Jesus who he was, but on account of the crowd, multitudes of people, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So the physical feature that stands about, out about Zacchaeus is that he's short, small in stature. But his physical shortness wasn't his biggest problem. Philip Ryken says he was short on godliness. He was a big sinner. He skimmed off the proceeds of the customs revenue on, that was, uh, uh, he would have to send to Rome. So he's hated, he's despised because of his association. In other words, he's just a lost sinner that needs saving. I want you to notice in verse 7, he is referred to as a sinner. And in verse 10, he's among the lost. Put those two things together. If you're a sinner, and we all are, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all sinners are what? lost, do not know God, do not know Christ, unconverted. And what needs to happen to things that are lost? They need to be found. And so Jesus comes to seek, to find, and to save this wretched man this poor, lost sinner. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I wonder if John Newton, when he wrote that, didn't have Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus both in mind when he wrote that verse. Well, in order for Zacchaeus to see Jesus, he's going to have to be creative. So he figured the best thing to do was run ahead where there were no people, climb up into a tree so he could see Jesus when he passed. That would give him a bird's eye view. Daryl Bach says a sycamore tree is more like an oak tree, only with a short trunk and wide lateral branches that make for easy climbing. Now, can you see in your mind's eye this little short man climbing that tree and sitting on one of those branches? There he sits, perched on a branch, waiting for Jesus to come by because he wanted to see who Jesus was. So the interest of Zacchaeus in seeing Jesus, the plan of Zacchaeus to see Jesus, and third, the call of Zacchaeus by Jesus. As I've already said, Jesus knew Zacchaeus was in that tree. He knew which tree it was. I suspect that road was lined with trees. And Jesus knew which tree he was in, and he stopped under that tree. He looked up and told him at once to come down because he was going to his house that day. 
That's what we read in verses 5 and 7. Let me read them again. And when Jesus came to the place, that's where that tree is, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Oh, I love it that he called him by his name. Zacchaeus, hurry. Don't be slow about this. Be quick. Hurry and come down for I must. Zacchaeus didn't invite. Jesus to come to his house. Jesus commanded Zacchaeus to come down and said, I must go to your house today. I suppose Zacchaeus thought he would probably remain unobserved in that tree. He's an onlooker, a bystander, but Jesus did not pass by. He came to a full stop. He looked up in the tree and bid this poor lost sinner to come down. Zacchaeus had climbed up into the tree. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus. But marvel of marvels, Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. There's love for a sinner. There is a de- desire to save a sinner. And so Jesus bid him down. Now, was that a mere invitation or a command? Well, when he says, you, I must go to your house today, that's divine necessity, isn't it? And when he says, hurry, come down, that's not an invitation. That's a command. Now, the gospel is an invitation. We preach the gospel and we plead with sinners to come to Jesus. We invite them, and I hope we do so with tears. Be reconciled unto God. But the gospel is also a command. And if you don't heed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are guilty not only of unbelief, but outright disobedience so the language is strong here i must go to your house today come down hurry you see we proclaim repent and believe the gospel that's a command jesus said come unto me all you who are laboring and heavy laden that's a command And Paul told the people in Athens, the times of ignorance God's overlooked, but he now commands all people everywhere to repent. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it's the power of God unto salvation. And so when an effectual call is issued, the power of God comes and makes it effective. There's a verse in Psalm 110, a messianic psalm, that says Jesus, or that God makes his people willing in the day of his power. So unwilling sinners have their hearts changed in this effectual call of the gospel, and they are made willing. So he does not wait for us to ask.
he calls us and commands us to come to him. And if that were not the case, none of us would ever come. If the Holy Spirit doesn't make the preaching of the gospel effective, no one would ever come. We come to the Father. How? By the drawing power of the Son. He effectually works in the hearts of those who believe. Now that's not the way the gospel is preached in most evangelical churches these days. In most so-called evangelical churches, the matter of salvation is put in the hand of the sinner. There's a song that when that tune gets in my mind, I can't get it out because I love the tune. But I've come not to think very well of the words. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Oh, why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time, he has waited before, and now he's waiting again to see if you are willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. That song pictures Jesus wanting to do something, but he can't do it. And why can't he do it? Because it's all up to the sinner. And that's got it flip-flop, doesn't it? The Savior is calling. Oh, listen to his voice. Why don't you listen to him? Reason we don't listen is we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And we need a quickening by the Spirit of God. And that's the kind of thing that is going on here in this story. Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to call on him. Jesus came with sovereign power and might and opened his heart and made him willing to come. Matthew Henry said, Jesus opens the heart and inclines it to receive him. Of course there is our receiving and our calling and our believing. But we don't do that unaided on our own. It is by the Spirit of God that that takes place. So, dear friends, instead of waiting for us to come... He comes to us to speak the words that give life. And that's why we thank God that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Or none of us would ever believe. And so Zacchaeus hurried and came down. And notice it says he received him joyfully. And then Luke interjects in the narrative the response of the people who witnessed this interchange. Note verse 7. And when they saw it, we don't know who the they is. We don't know who the they are. Everybody, I reckon. There must have been some Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and other people in that crowd. And when they saw it, what was their reaction? They all 
grumbled, murmured, complained. Ha! Did you see that? He's inviting that old wicked Zacchaeus. He's inviting himself to go to his home. What kind of man is that? Well, they actually said he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They couldn't believe that a man with a reputation of Jesus would be the guest in the home of a man like Zeke, Zacchaeus. So they murmured and complained. They were highly critical of Jesus for going into the home of such a vile sinner. Yes, he was a vile sinner. But wait a second. What's this purpose statement? Why did Jesus come to seek and to save that which was lost? He came to save lost, wicked, vile, wretched sinners. And he never saved them by standing aloof from them. He saved them by interacting with them. He never sanctioned their sinful lives, but he befriended them in order to save them. Never think that Jesus was indulgent or indifferent to their sins. He didn't tolerate their sin, but he came to save them from their sins. You know, one of the great acclamations of Jesus found in the Gospels, and this is recorded in Luke 7, 34, he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Why didn't he just say he's a friend of sinners? Why do you have to say tax collectors and sinners? Because tax collectors were some of the most vile. And it's, wow, if he can save a tax collector, he could save me. There's a parable in Luke chapter 15. There are three parts to the parable. Lost son, well, it's lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. There's that word lost again. And, and what happens? They're found, just like we have going on here. But here's how that parable begins. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Blessed be God for a Savior who stoops so low to associate with sinners in order to save them. But that's why he came. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So there's the interest of Zacchaeus in seeing Jesus. The plan of Zacchaeus to see Jesus. The call of Zacchaeus by Jesus. Now one more thing. The transformation of Zacchaeus by Jesus. Salvation came to Zacchaeus the day Jesus entered his home. Jesus transformed his life. And that's really the heart of the story here. Alistair Begg says what we have here is a big change in a little man. Let's read those verses. Verses 8, 9, and 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, today, that's kind of like uh, what Jesus said to the thief on the cross, isn't it? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today, salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. And then the purpose statement, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but we're missing a whole lot of information between verse 7 and verse 8. We have no record of the conversation between Jesus and Zacchaeus in his home. Verse 8 takes us up to the end of that conversation and what happened to him. And so we see the transformation immediate transformation of this man's life. And Luke records in verse 8 what he said, what Zacchaeus said to Jesus, Behold, Lord. It's nice that he's calling him Lord now, isn't it? Behold, Lord. Remember, he went out because he wanted to see who Jesus was. He knows who he is now. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, think he defrauded anybody before as a tax collector? I restore it fourfold. And so his life was changed. And that change is evident in what he was ready to do, prepared to do with his wealth. He was ready to give half of it to the poor. So his eyes were open to see the needs of others. And this man who was rich says, I can help them. And then he was ready to restore fourfold to anyone he had defrauded. That's how he'd made his money, taking more from people than he ought to have taken. And he's ready to give back four times. What a wonderful change has been wrought when Jesus entered his heart. There is unmistakable proof of conversion. The thief, the robber, became a giver. This man who was a cheat had his life changed. So there's repentance and there's faith. Though we're not told that here. But we know there was repentance and faith because his life was transformed and changed. Dear friends, if you really get saved, there's going to be a change in your life. You're going to think different. You're going to speak different. You're going to act different. We're not, cha- we're not saved by a new behavior we adopt. But when we are called by Christ and follow him, We take up a new life. Our conduct changes. And that's true of everyone who's converted. We bring forth fruit, some more than others. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, but we bring forth fruit. So what an amazing story. Jesus utterly transformed the life of a greedy tax collector. And Jesus even told him today, Salvation has come to this house. Now, let me underscore this. Salvation, or Zacchaeus, was not saved by doing these things mentioned in verse 8. That's the evidence that he had been saved. 
So salvation had come to this house. And notice what we read in verse verse 9. Jesus said, since he is also a son of Abraham. Scripture teaches us that Jesus came to the Jew first, but then the Greek, and even we who preach the gospel, the power of God, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, Paul says in Romans 1, 16. So Jesus came to his house because he was a son of Abraham by blood, but Zacchaeus became a son of Abraham on this day because faith was born in his heart. And did you know you can be a son of Abraham too? All who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are Abraham's offspring. So a true son of Abraham is the same as a believer. Paul speaks of that in Galatians chapter 3 in good depth. So Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. But he didn't come to save them and leave them in their sins. Remember what the angel told Joseph prior to the birth of Jesus? You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from, not in, their sins. All that the Father gives me, Jesus said, shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Though spiritually dead and unable to lift a finger to save himself, the Lord graciously and irresistibly calls Zacchaeus to himself. Maybe Zacchaeus was the first one to sing. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled by its transforming power, making me God's dear child. And so this section ends with this magnificent declaration as to why Jesus came, the Son of Man came. Friends, if you don't have this verse circled, underlined, colored, star out by the side of it. Do something to mark it as very important. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was a lost man, and Jesus found him and saved him. Now I want to ask you a question. Will you meet Zacchaeus someday in heaven? Or will you remain in your sins and stand before God in judgment on the last day? If you're not a Christian, I urge you to seek the Lord as He is seeking you. And call upon Him as He is calling you. We sometimes sing a song in our church, O sinner, seek His grace, whose wrath you cannot bear. 
fly to the shelter of his cross and find salvation there. Jesus said his purpose for coming was to seek and save that which was lost. Did you know that makes Christianity distinct from all the other religions in the world? Did you know that only in Christianity does God seek for lost, sinful man in order to save him? David Jeremiah says this well. The coming of God in Christ was the God of heaven seeking the lost. And look what he did to find us. He started in the womb of Mary, then went to Bethlehem, to Egypt, and to Nazareth, to three years of persecution and rejection, ultimately to the cross of, on Golgotha, and then to a tomb. His resurrection signaled the victory in his search, but he paid a high price to find us. We didn't find the Lord. He found us. It was his initiative, not ours, that resulted in our being found. We ought to thank God daily that instead of being lost forever, we are found and saved forever because of him. Is the Lord Jesus calling you today? Is the Spirit of God working and moving in your hearts? Oh, I plead with you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who come unto God by him. He's able to save the vilest of sinners. Surely he can save you. And there is hope for all who seek the Lord. There are no incurable cases when it comes to the gospel. So look to Jesus. Call upon him and be saved. Father, we thank you for your precious word.